Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. I'm Louise Cooney and this is my brand new podcast, Open Book, where each week I sit down with well-known personalities for honest conversations about life and the stories that shape it. My guest this week is author and YouTube star Melanie Murphy, who chats about onion ring engagements, the importance of having controversial conversations, and why she's had her last drink. Melanie, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me as well, like especially because it's about books. It's very exciting compared to a lot of other podcasts I've done. Yeah. Um, And I've not met you in in real life. (laughs) I know. So you're an award-winning lifestyle YouTuber and best-selling author from Dublin. You live with your husband and your son. And you just announced you're pregnant with your yes, second baby, yes. which is so exciting. I know. It's I'm I'm equal parts excited and terrified <laughs> because because I love to work as well and yeah. the thought of having the two, it's it's very intimidating, but it's also I've dreamed of this my whole life. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kinda like it's gonna be hard for a few years mm-hmm. and then I get to have two little best friends, yeah. you know. Moving into new seasons. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. But I know you from your online content mainly and then the mm. fact that you have you have been writing these books and you're like kind of really good author like it's crazy to have both but you in your online content you talk about creativity relationships motherhood sexuality confidence and mental health Mm. and you have hundreds of thousands of followers online and now you have a whole new audience and readers yeah it's really lovely as well when people find my social media through a book Mm. it's really cool because you know the way they put your links now on on the books and stuff and that has happened quite a few times Mm -hmm. and I think through my books I feel like it's it's so much easier to explore deep issues um, yeah. properly and in an interesting way through a novel uh-huh. um, because you spend two years on, on it you know what I mean yeah. so compared to a video that I spend like an hour planning mm-hmm. and an hour filming and mm. then a, you know it's it's just so much of myself poured into the book yeah. and um, the themes like you know that I do discuss online motherhood and mental health and stuff they come through a lot I think in this book yeah Um. And even with the motherhood aspect in Glass Houses, you know, one of the main characters really doesn't want children. And that was coming from a lot of conversations I was having with my friends at the time when I had my son. Mm -hmm. That brought up that conversation within our friend group. Like, do Mm. I actually want to to do that myself? Um, It was it was difficult to write, I have to say, because it was during the pandemic. Okay. Um, I think, you know, really because I was struggling with my mental health like mm. a lot of people were at the time and then writing about these characters who are really struggling as well I was just like how am I going to do this and I just had a child and and stuff but thank God my husband's very supportive and he'd be like get up downstairs you're finishing that book and uh, I'm so glad I did like I never I don't think I've ever felt so much um, like pride and relief and stuff when I've held something mm. in my hands that I'd worked on mm-hmm. for a long time it was it really paid off. I think you've point. got like sisterhood down to a T in it. Do you have a sister? I do, yeah. I've 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 actually got a sister who also does the same job as me. So she's a YouTuber oh, okay. and she's younger, she's 24. And we had never, you know, had a massive falling out or mm. anything like that. When I started this book, she was helping me with the characterization mm-hmm. and everything. I was talking to her a lot about certain mental health stuff that she's very open with online about. Um, but then during the pandemic, we did have a big falling out and we couldn't meet up to sort it out. And I was writing about these siblings who were falling out. So, that you know, some of that did come into it, like just my kind of desperation to make up with her and to sort things. Um, I definitely think that comes through. Mm. And it made, again, it made the process of writing it very emotional for me. I, I'd be writing through tears a lot of the mm. time. Um, but we did end up 
you know, making up and, and all that and, and stuff. So I, I did dedicate the book to her. Like she's oh, one of the people I dedicated it to. So and uh, she's just, she's one of my best friends. You know, she's so important to me. And I think that sibling relationship is something that is so, can be so messy. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for us, like we have different dads and like we've just gone through such a, such a roller coaster of experiences together mm-hmm. Um, that with your siblings, you're always your truest self and it's very hard to hide anything from them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot when I realised my life was actually overlapping with my art. It was a bit, mm. a bit, um, a bit much for a while. Yeah, I think it worked really well in the book though and it makes it so like oh. relatable in real life, you know. Yeah. But just to give you a rundown on how we're going to do this podcast, we're going to start off with some quick fire questions, okay. which I haven't given you any background of, but no. they're just fun. They're quick. Okay. And then we'll go into the more kind of heavy hitting questions. Okay. So first, paperback or hardback? Paperback. I can't stand reading hardbacks. And I'm so glad actually in Ireland, books, I don't know if all books, but most books do come out paperback mm. first mm-hmm. um, as like the the hardback version is actually a, a soft one and mm-hmm. they're just so much more easy to read yeah. especially when you're on public transport totally. can't get my hands around a hardback book <laughs> dog ear or bookmark dog ear I don't think I've I have had some beautiful bookmarks and they just always end up like in the drawer mm. I always have the best intentions but they just doesn't work find them me. in the most random of places yeah, like oh yeah. yeah that's a good place to leave <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm just not very organised and I do I like the books to look red mm. you know I like them to look and feel like they've been battered through my yeah. journeys of reading them yeah. do you savour or devour a book savour a lot mm. now because I have to because I have a child <laughs> and he demands a lot of my attention but I used to I used to read a lot more um, more books in a month, I suppose. Mm. Um, now I'm very big on Audible, mm-hmm. which has saved my life. So if, you know, if you're struggling to read and you do like listen to podcasts, you like listen to YouTube videos in the background, I highly recommend Audible. I've never worked with them. I'm not sponsored by them, but it's just a lifesaver mm-hmm. if you don't want to lose that feeling of reading. And I, I suppose for me, like, I used to think it, it didn't count as mm. reading, but the original way we told stories was reading aloud to each other yeah, in the true. room so mm-hmm. it's like this it is the same thing yeah I, I used to listen to audible in lockdown oh did when you? i'd go out for my walks and like it's just a great way to get through another book yeah. if you drive a lot yeah great. yeah 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 and do you finish or feck a book if you're if you're not enjoying it or i don't finish books if i'm not do enjoying not, it. no yeah. and i know like some people are like oh you have to persevere because sometimes you know, it all turns around three quarters mm. of the way through, but I just think life's too short and there's not enough hours in the day. Like yeah. nowadays as well, you're juggling, keeping house and children and working and like, I just couldn't be harassed. So <laughs> I just... Know <laughs> if you know what you like to read yeah. and you're like, this isn't what I need right now. Yeah. Then. And sometimes, you know, the cover can be quite misleading. Mm. So that has happened to me and or a book is like recommended and everyone is screaming about mm-hmm. it and I just can't get into it. Whereas mm-hmm. then other times, like, you know, with... Um, Louise O'Neill's latest book like I, I read that in two days mm. and I was just so sometimes you know it'll be the right one for mm-hmm. the right time and yeah other times just couldn't be yeah no I totally get that what is your first memory of books so my grandmother used to read a book every day and wow my mom my mom read a lot as well but my granny would like read she read a lot of murder mysteries and Agatha Christie and stuff <laughs> and I think because those two women they were, I looked up to them so much because you know they were the women in my life um, 
I just wanted to be like them. So even before I was able to read, I used to just take a book and pretend like I'd sit on the floor and like be looking at the pages and not know what I was looking at at all. <laughs> but I wanted so badly to be like them mm-hmm. that, yeah, I would I would just pretend to read. Um, this is when I'm like, you know, four or five. Mm-hmm. So when I was a child, there was just books everywhere, piles of books everywhere. And I used to go to the library a lot with my nana. Oh, that's well. so nice. Yeah. Is there a literary character growing up that you think you were most like or you kind of admired? Um, I think Matilda because I I made myself be like Matilda. Mm. I was really obsessed with her. Yeah. And also because like the movie then came out as well. Like I'd read the book when I was smaller and I really loved the character. And then the film came out and I dressed like her. I went to the library and I got... I'd pick books that she'd mentioned like Moby Dick and stuff even though I didn't know what like no interest in it at all but I just so like she's really confident and she's really um independent and I think when you're a child of divorce as well Mm. like you do I was really independent at that age and I was very beyond my years Mm. at like eight I'd say so I um I think just connected a lot with with that character Mm. and the fact that you know she'd be her parents were very like neglectful my parents weren't like that at all but it was just more that what I went through with the experience of the divorce I just mm-hmm. kind of had to grow up quite quickly because yeah. I old was I think I was about six or seven when they split mm-hmm. and I still remember I had my first panic attack um when I went to see where my dad was living and I just puked all over the floor oh and I was pro- you know and I didn't know what anxiety even meant mm. back then but that's when I fr- that was the source of my anxiety and I only found that out later through therapy like but I uh, yeah her, the character that she like that character of Matilda is a book by Roald Dahl I'm sure everyone listening has has heard of it but she just is is like a little adult in a kid's body mm. and I loved her and she's quite okay with being like different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know. was very strange as a child, but I kind of never thought that that was a bad thing until I was a teenager. That's when my confidence all went mm. out the window. And I started trying to shape myself into mm. what other people in school were like. Yeah. Whereas I just miss, I just loved being a kid, like under 10, you mm. know, you've just, you're so innocent. There was no internet back then. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful time. Being a teenager is hard though. God, oh. help me if I ever have a teenager. I don't think I could have dealt with myself. <laughs> People keep saying to me like, oh, what if you're having a girl? And I'm like, please don't because I'm so nervous about the idea of having a teenage girl nowadays. Well, like think back to when you were a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just think, yeah, like girls were, like you're so vulnerable to certain things that boys are mm, you know and like I'm just it's take one wrong turn and you could really be in trouble yeah, like you know yeah yeah that's so frightening to me yeah like, I can't even it is and the, just the way the internet is and just with like revenge porn and stuff another thing I did explore in my book there's a lot of stuff that people have to contend with these days that I wouldn't have had to and I still found it really mm. hard I actually saw Paris Hilton posted this uh reel the other day mm-hmm. And she was like, God, who misses life before social media? And she was like showing all the 2000s and she was like, oh, it was God. the best time to be alive. Because <laughs> yeah. they could just go out and have fun and no yeah. pictures and no like. Oh, know. it was a different world. And I think it's only really hit me recently how much has changed, mm. you know, especially even in the last 10 years. Like when I started my YouTube channel, it wasn't a thing people really did as a job. Mm-hmm. And it was like if you posted a vi- I posted a video about acne intending for other people with acne to find it mm. and then it went viral and then it was in the Irish newspapers wow. and then on all these people I was just like how is this happening and I was thrown into that career I was mm-hmm. doing a degree in education and I wanted to be like a lecturer like an adult 
adult educator, I suppose. Um, I always wanted to write, but yeah, the way my life has gone because of social media and the internet is really bizarre. And it has made me so aware of the impact of um, how we do filter ourselves online. Because we do, like you can't, you're not going to, I had a panic attack yesterday, like I'm not going to film that. I'm not going to talk about it every time it happens. And so I think what happens with young people is they genuinely think everyone else is okay and what they're experiencing is they're they're the only one going mm. through it and i know people do talk about stuff after the fact but it's not the same as when you're seeing your own messy life and you hear someone else going oh yeah same mm. it doesn't really like it it, it can't ever you it's it's kind of nice sometimes to like connect with people on certain subjects like you know i've opened up about eating disorder recovery mm. and stuff but in the day, general day to day messiness and just like when you're not ready or when your room's messy and just all those things, everyone is going through these things and, and struggling with like their schedule and their um and, and balancing work and friends and all this stuff. And um then you go onto Instagram and it's just the nicest pictures of everyone mm. smiling. I am guilty of it. Like I put up a picture announcing my pregnancy where I looked nice, but Every day of that trimester, I was literally like, looked like death on the floor beside the toilet, crying. So mm-hmm. it's just... But it's, you also posted that. So I like that you still both. On you know? the stories. Yeah, that's, that's cool. the thing. I, I try really hard to do that because I'm so aware mm-hmm. of how damaging it is to my... Because I've spoken to and met a lot of my younger followers. Yeah. And they've told me like, thank you for keeping it real. Because mm-hmm. I just compare myself all the time to yeah. people who don't kind of talk about those things ever and and it just makes me feel very inadequate yeah. and uh, I think what you share online and all everything you touch on it's so powerful and it's so helpful for people thank you Do you know like even in your book you explore everything from like oh, you know, suicide to it's so, depression it, to it's eating so, disorders it's really um, I just think writing it's just a much it's a much um, not I wouldn't even say easier but it's just to connect on those subjects through fiction um, I do think it's very powerful and like some of the reviews I have read of the book now like they've made it so worth it for me like all the hours I spent writing it um, and I know I could put up a video and it might get you know if, if I put up a certain type of video and it got 100,000 views and then you know the book might not sell 100,000 copies but I know that the impact it's having mm-hmm. is probably much greater yeah. than someone who kind of passively listened to a video mm-hmm. whereas they sit sit de- to sit down to read a book takes a lot of time out of your day yeah and it's you a huge commitment while you're doing anything else no which is what I love about it yeah and that's it like it's just a it's so different mm-hmm. and it's I think that's it as well. It's it's such um a jump away from the internet and all the fast paced and like how, you know, if you scroll on TikTok like it's like ten seconds of mm-hmm. and your attention span is just so like when you turn everything off and you're reading a book, it's so lovely now yeah. and it just feels really special now yeah, compared totally. to the past. Yeah, no, I totally agree. What book has been your biggest teacher? I think the book that I've taken the most from and actively you and applied in in my actual life is a book by Stephen King called On Writing. Mm. Um, there's so many things in that book that have massively shaped like my the writing is my favorite hobby. It's also part of my job, but there's so many things he talks about in that like write your first draft with the door closed and just for you and don't think about anyone else reading it and then obviously like go back through it with the door open. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many things he said in that that really stuck with me like you know you don't write to be famous and you know for money and this kind of thing it's to enrich your life to enrich other people's lives like 
just hearing because I loved him so much when I was growing up like I read a lot of his books in like a big Stephen King frenzy in my mm. teenage years and um, when I read On Writing just like I don't know like there's just so many nuggets of wisdom and he's sharing his own life and his journey into the publishing world as well but um I do think with that book, like there's a lot of self-help books I've read, but I do think a lot of that stuff is stuff I genuinely had to experience myself yeah. for it to really sink in. Mm-hmm. Whereas with that book, it's like, it's actually um, stuff I can take and use. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like like a school book. I, I treated it like that. And um, he talked about using less adverbs. I used to be awful with like just constantly using adverbs and like over-describing things and mm-hmm. using way too many adjectives. Like he had just such useful advice about like using the active active verbs versus passive verbs and just it's just a brilliant book if if you if you want to be a writer I'm sure if you're listening to this maybe you do enjoy writing um but even as a reader I think it's an interesting Mm. book to read just to kind of understand more about the craft behind putting a book together and um, I find that really interesting just to listen to because I I haven't a clue probably would help me with my with my English as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so, yeah, honestly, it's so good. And especially, like, his sense of humour as well. Is He's just so, he gives examples as well of, like, he'll show you a sentence and then he'll show you the same sentence written in a way that, you know, it's, it's much plainer, but mm. it's way easier to read. Mm-hmm. And people do think that that, you know, the way some people talk about commercial fiction yeah. versus literary fiction. Yeah. I do, I really hate that conversation as if, like, commercial fiction is somehow shitter or like less kind of more um, it's more like conversational and easy to read which is actually what I it's prefer a, but it's a good thing that yeah. more, if more people are reading the book how is that a bad thing do you know what I mean it's very bizarre to me that it's like you know I obviously I sometimes like I will read a literary fiction book and it's just stunning beautiful prose and it's, yeah. it's lovely to see someone who has just such, is a master of that craft but the, those kinds of books can be difficult to get through mm-hmm. as well. Like totally. it's sometimes you, to, like, you want small, small an entertaining yeah. book or like a book to just yeah. really like off. yeah. And it's like with TV, you know. There's like there's like the kind of junk trash TV, and then there's you know these amazing big productions like shows. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, there's a there's a place for everything. I do. It was funny. Do I believe. had a chat with this kind of thing with my boyfriend and his friend yesterday. And they were saying, and you, you know, when you're reading books, do you ever come across words and like write them down and, you know, stick them on your wall and remember them and try and use them? I'm like, no, <laughs> what? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> what I'm reading is probably, and I don't mean that as an insult, but like, I, I was like, I, maybe I should. I'm like, I'm pretty sure, even though I'm reading more than ever, I still talk the same. Yeah. Everything is still <laughs> nice. It's just how I am. I know, <laughs> I do. I, I Sometimes I do try and push myself out of my comfort zone and read the more literary stuff, mm. but I don't. Um, enjoy it as much um, and I think it's yeah like I when I'm reading I really want to be relaxing mm-hmm. and I suppose people read for different reasons do you know what I mean yeah, it's not totally. like it's not like there's one correct way but no I'd be the same and I, I think if, if, a, if a paragraph was really difficult to read and I'm reading the same sentence and over, over and over again trying to understand it I'm not likely going to finish that yeah, book yeah, you yeah, know yeah, so totally. I do think yeah his advice with that with just like simplifying things and um, is just Mm-hmm. unbelievable and because I think a lot of amateur writers which like I, I still technically am I'm still learning and my first book even I um I read it back and I'm like oh, I do that differently and I wouldn't write that and I write that this way and I change that sentence I cut that there um 
you have to constantly be trying to improve mm -hmm. and that is my goal. Like I, I would love to get to 50 and have written loads of books and for them to be improving all mm -hmm. the time. And, you know, I'm I'm still only in my early 30s. Like there's no way I'm going to know everything now. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, you can le learn a lot um, from reading when it's stuff like that. I think mm. I think with the more, just the, the stuff you have to wade through in life where like I used to th I used to pick up a lot of um books with like lists of like life lessons and stuff like that and I think they're very affirming mm. they are definitely very helpful especially if you're in the process of learning those things and then you're hearing other people kind mm. of saying that but you're like yes okay you know it, it kind of just really helps you but at the same time you kind of need to crawl through the mud to get there mm. you know and to, to really understand it's like with, with a, a relationship breakup reading about a breakup and experiencing a breakup and you can't compare those things mm. in any way So one of the questions I had for you actually was what do you think what do you know of life that you can't learn from books so I guess that's Yeah yeah that yeah, yeah. I would pre yeah pretty much like m most things I, I do think most of the most important things I've learned have been through challenging life experiences yeah. and I think that they make you resilient and they um they just kind of you know and also I've made certain mistakes over and over and over again because this is it if you're reading you can't make a mistake like it's not you can't you have to make mistakes to learn mm -hmm. and you're very safe when you're reading a book yeah. you know you're in a very kind of like safe little cocoon where everything is on the page and it's very separate from you mm -hmm. but I do think that like you know, even with like red flags in relationships when you're dating a new person, there's so many times where I just kept going for the same type of person. Mm. Um, same. Yeah. yeah. In there. It's like you kind of have to do that to be like able to then suss someone mm. within the first couple of months yeah. and you're mm. like, all right, I know that this is not going to work and to out. to know to trust your gut as well, yeah, I guess. You yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. Yes, like your intuition. It takes yeah. so long to really get in tune with that. Yeah. Um, and I think for a long time, my gut used to lie to me as well out of like just fear. And because I, I would try and self-sabotage things and because my gut was like, run, when it was more more so just like I wasn't in tune with it. You mm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What would you say has been your biggest plot twist to date? In my life? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Um, probably that everything turned out okay in the end. Because <laughs> I think... I was at a point when I was about 19, mm. 19, 20, where I like the future that I visualized for myself and that I the way I saw my life going was just co completely different. Um, and I just couldn't see a future where I was in my 30s and wow. content at all. Um, like at 19, I basically so my Nana died and I went through a really bad breakup after a long very toxic relationship and we were you know it was toxic on both ends like we were both just really wrong for each other and um, I'd messed up my leave insert and my mom and I weren't speaking I'd fallen out with a lot of my friends because I'd met them while I was with that ex as well Um, just ev everything I gained four and a half stone really quickly like I I, I was about probably before stone but I, I literally in a year and a half mm. and I just wasn't leaving the house I was sleeping all day I was staying awake all night playing a computer game mm. I didn't I was like what am I going to do as a job what am I going to and I had a miscarriage it was an awful time like every so many terrible things happened I was really 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 depressed and I just couldn't see how I would ever get out of that mm -hmm. um I was living with my dad in a little apartment and my life was just so you know I was I wasn't washing myself and 
Um, Did you know you were depressed at the time? It took a while for me to understand that that's what that was. I think I'd heard people saying depression Mm. and stuff, but I didn't really... Because it wasn't like I was just crying a lot. I just didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't want to clean no up I didn't want to like, no yeah. I didn't even want to go to the shops with my dad and then like it was, it was so wrapped up with anxiety and something I learned a lot through a book actually as well um from Johan Harry called Lost Connections and that I that book massively inspired my novel Glass Houses and I, I explore a lot of what he talks about in there is that depression and anxiety are usually very linked together even though they're very different mm. um and there's multiple causes of them some of them are things that are like, you know, biological, like uh, brain chemicals and things like that. And certain causes respond, you'll respond very well to a medication. Mm-hmm. Whereas like medication wasn't doing much for me. And I think it was because the causes of mine, he he outlines them all. And I was just very disconnected from, you know, other people like adults, from from nature, from um, having a meaningful, meaningful work, like doing something that, Fulfilled. was making me feel I was fulfilled. Yeah. I, I was lacking so much. And I just was like, how am I supposed to get from A to Z? Like, I don't understand that. So I just assumed my life was just going to be terrible. Mm. And then I read a book that is very controversial because people hate it called The Secret. Yeah. And, um, but it came to me at the perfect time. Do it just did. It? Oh, a lot of people hate it. They just think it's nonsense. Some of it and is, I suppose. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I, I, what I get gained from it was just that, you know, like obviously like, I know I know people read it and they're like, oh, well, you're, you know, if, if you believe this word for word as it's written, then it's your fault if you get cancer and it's your fault. Oh, yeah. this and yeah. I don't believe no. that at all. But like, what I what I took from it was if I, you know, make a goal and I say, like, I'd love to experience this thing and I work toward it, mm. that it, it's it's a possibility for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I tried really hard to just um, turn my thoughts around and just try and be more glass half full and instead of glass half empty so I was trying to be grateful for the mm-hmm. things I did have like I had a roof over my head I had like my dad was so amazing I was still really young and I had my whole life ahead of me like I would look at what do I have mm. what are my strengths what what you know I was I was I had I was intelligent and I knew like my the things that I was talented at and I tried really hard to stop constantly focusing on all the terrible stuff mm. in my life and um and yeah so so yeah, the plot twist, just like if I had been told back then that like it's all going to be fine, I just think I would have been very shocked and that would have been the biggest twist yeah. for me ever. Um, you know, like I even ended up with a guy that I'd, I'd known from for a long time, like around that time. I met him probably before that, but, um, you know, we were with different, like one of us was, was always husband? in, yeah, oh yeah, I've known him a long time, but one of us was like always in a relationship and then if, if we weren't, then he would be living in Scotland or, you know, we, we were all, there was always something mm-hmm. kind of keeping you apart. keeping us apart and keeping it from happening. And then one time it almost happened. My cousin, who is his best friend, stood between us and was like, no, you can't get involved because if it doesn't work out, our friendship group is ruined. Oh. So it was like just stuff like that. Yeah, it's it is amazing the way life can change. And I would just say that to anyone listening, like if there's anything you're unhappy with in your life, like... Time is incredible and just so much can change. A lot and can change in a year. Yeah. A and couple of months. Once you believe that it can change, then, mm. you know, you'll be just so shocked at how things start. How long are you with your husband now? Five years. You're married five years? 
no, we I we got together five years ago, and I think we married. Yeah, we married two years ago, but then we actually had our wedding recently because it was in COVID. Yeah, yeah. We, we did the registry office thing, oh, and then nice. we were like, oh sure, we might get to have the wedding eventually, and then we were like, ah, we'll lose all our money if we don't have it. Yeah. So we just yeah. How did he propose? I love these stories. He so he first proposed with uh, an onion ring when we were six months together, like because no we love we love The Simpsons, and he was do you know the way Mar- Homer and Marge, and he proposed with an onion <laughs> ring. So he was really broke. He was um, when we started dating, he was a builder, and he wanted to go to flight school, to pilot school. So he took out a huge loan, and mm. um, you know he didn't know if he could do it or anything like that. But he was just like. I was like, I really wanted to support him because he really, really wanted to do it. But, he, you know, he was over there and um, he he literally had no money. He was like, I want to propose to her, but I'm not going to be able to afford a ring for a long time. So he got this little onion ring in the canteen and he it was minging, but he brought it home on a flight to Ireland when he was coming to visit. And he unwrapped it from a tissue and he was naked after a shower. And oh he just God. got down on me. But then he, uh, he did actually like properly propose when we, we designed the engagement ring together because oh, nice. I, I like uh, quite um, like vintage, like old rings. Yeah. But they were like really expensive. So we, we designed like a cheaper version. Cool. Um, and and then he gave that to me on the beach. Like my it was my favorite place in in Scaries on the beach, which is where my nana lived. And that was all very romantic. He, he, I thought I was doing an Instagram photo shoot, so he told me to go out into the water. And then, That's how you get them. <laughs> and he started walking, for the gram. Yeah, he started walking out towards me, and my friend Simon was taking pictures. I was like, oh Jesus! Aww. But uh, ah yeah, like he. And he's just such an amazing person mm. um, all around. Like it's like just set as, like aside from our relationship, like he's just so, he's such a good father. He's yeah. such a good friend to people. He's really amazing to his parents. He's very thoughtful. He's just, he's just such a good person. And it, oh, he's amazing. <laughs> and this is the thing, I always went for, for really um, like, you know, people who just didn't know what they want or they were, they messed me around and all. And I, I do think that comes from, you know, you 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 relate it back to like stuff you witness in childhood, and you're kind of yeah. almost drawn to those kind yeah. of um, messy relationships. And mm. I just, yeah, I remember I got to a point where I was like, no, like I don't want to be with someone mm-hmm. like that. It's not exciting. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, horrible. Totally. What's the greatest love story ever told? I do quite love one day. One day is a book about two people, and every year they come together they're, they're friends so they start off as friends and like, I think because of my relationship with my husband and how that all went like that's probably why I love this mm. so much but they meet up every year and like they share all of their just all the stuff they've been going through and all that and eventually then they realise that like what they've been wanting and missing in each other's lives is each other and it's all very lovely but it's just such a it's such a beautiful story and there, there is a film with Anne Hathaway but would not recommend I'd I recommend the book <laughs> I'd recommend the book definitely. Okay, you make me want to read that. I never it's re- I don't brilliant. read many romance books really. Same. I wouldn't read the like real romancy romance mm. ones. You know, like that that would be more I, I don't know, I suppose it's like it's kind of more of like a character study. I wouldn't consider it just like a straight up romance book. I feel like the only thing that could make me cry in a book is this kind of thing. Like like real good love stories. Yes. Like have you ever read um, Me Before You? Oh, I love Oh my that. god. I was like Stop. inconsolable. I know. It's so I sad. Know. And then the movie again doesn't compare. No, no, no. I, this is it. Like, I think some things, some things do work almost better in the film. But 
more like nine times out of ten the book is better and a lot of people then have never read the book and mm. I get really sad I'm like you're missing out on so mm-hmm. much and then if you read it after the film all you're seeing is the characters and everything they picked for you oh. know the sets in the movie and so I was so glad like for example with even Harry Potter that I read books some of the books before the first one came out so I I hadn't had it shaped for me. Mm. If you get me, like although they did do a good job, they me. did do a good job. I do. I still still rewatch them like mm. every Christmas. Like they're yeah. on on um, repeat in my house. But you know, even like Lord of the Rings, a lot of those things I did read before I saw mm. the films, and I just think it gave it such a. It was such a rich experience then watching it because you can see how they changed it for screen. Yes, like adapt adaptation. I'm yeah. very fascinated by how they adapt a book. It just looks like such a hard thing to do because what works in a book does not work a lot of the time on a screen. What would people be surprised to find on your bookshelf? Oh, there's so many things. Like I, so I was doing a book declutter video on YouTube and I was going through one of the books I showed was a book by Jordan Peterson and people were like, going mad and I the way I try to think about this is like I don't only read books by I don't like living in an echo chamber it's Mm. the same with the internet and I don't only follow people who I know they're going to say things that I'll already Mm -hmm. agree with because it just doesn't challenge me at all and I don't think you can have interesting conversations or debates with people if you don't at least try and understand why people think the way they do or or I like trying to trying to pick apart like when people are outlining like this is why I think this way or you know so say with him like I remember I first found him online through like certain psychology videos he had because he's a psychologist who is he? he's oh he's a very um a lot of people listen will probably be like, like he's he's a very controversial uh, he is just a psychologist but he's kind of um become very well known for his opinions on certain subjects that are very um divisive I suppose um and a lot of people kind of would would consider him like very right wing and stuff, even mm-hmm. though he says he's a libertarian. Like, but anyway, with him, there's certain things I was like, oh, I love. I could listen to him talk about that all day. But then half the time he says stuff, I'm just like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I just get this overwhelming urge to like sit in a room with him and debate with him and argue with him, and because he's very. Um, He's very well spoken and mm-hmm. he has great vocabulary. So I do, I love, you know, like Stephen Fry. I love listening mm. to people like that who are really amazing mm-hmm. with the English language. But anyway, um, people were just so outraged. They were like, why would, how dare you have his book and you're promoting him? I'm like, but if I'm following someone on social media, it doesn't mean, like, say I follow like the news station and half mm. the things I I see them post just I'm just sitting there like this like, mm. oh. and and um, even like the way a lot of news outlets now like even BBC like the way they write their articles just drives me mad um, but it doesn't mean I just condone every single yeah. thing that someone says or or whatever so but I do I do keep my mind very open to people that I do disagree with on a lot of subjects because I just can't um I can't. I I did for a long time only follow and read. And you know, if if it was like you you line up with me perfectly mm. on politics, on this, on that, and everything. And I and then when I'd end up in a conversation with someone in like a pub or whatever where they had a different opinion, I just found myself really struggling to like understand them. Mm. Or you know, I would immediately just want to shut the conversation down. And I just mm. don't. I don't want to move forward like that in my life. And I think because I'm getting older, I'm finding it even more important to listen to people who and read yeah. by people who you know aren't. And then you can form your own opinions. I guess, yeah, you know yeah, you can Yeah, how are you supposed to form an opinion if you don't know what kind of 
both I know it's not usually just two sides either mm. but it, but you know when you don't know what the the various sides think um and why they think that way it's it's it is really difficult to but if you're listening to someone or who you don't agree with or you're reading something by some like do you ever feel like the urge to tell them yeah. with, with social media right yeah. there like yeah I, I do and I really try and control myself yeah. because especially you know when you've got a following as well like what I've really struggled with with that especially in the last couple of years is that my opinions on things can change by the day yeah. by the hour especially during the pandemic like you know and I like at the beginning of the pandemic I was really nervous about getting vaccinated because I was breastfeeding and the vice was different in Ireland versus in England mm-hmm. they were telling us not to and then they were saying do and um and it, so it took me a while to get it but then you know I I got it and stuff but it was like I was like I can't talk about this because if I say one thing that's held as my opinion forever mm. because I've said it and it's there and and it's like there so there's a lot of things now I shy away from talking about completely because I'm like if I talk about this with people in my real life it's so much I feel so much safer in that yeah, than yeah, online yeah. it's like um it's uh it's just it's and that again yeah like for me to go onto someone's post and reply with like well you know, I automatically then I'm having a bit of power because I have the little tick and people mm. will see it and mm-hmm. people will jump in and, and I'm like, I don't want to encourage like a pylon or, yeah, you know, yeah, a big yeah. fight. So I end up just kind of observing a lot and me I'm just too. like, I don't agree, but I'm not going to say anything. Like me on Twitter, I'm like, oh, what are people giving out about today? But I'm yeah. not going to involve myself. Yeah. I got rid of Twitter because I was not able to not involve myself. And, uh, <laughs> I just got rid of it and it's the best thing I ever did. Mm. Oh my God. It is quite negative. Like it's a lot really of this, difficult. Yeah. And they thrive on that. And as well, like, they think that's how the platform does so well because, you know, it, it, they need to keep you on the platform. Mm. And what's going to keep you there is arguments. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause, like, and Love think, Island memes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I, I find Instagram is still a really positive place with things mm. like that. I get a lot of that kind of like memes and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I stepped away from Twitter and I probably will never go back. Yeah. What's on your ninth stand currently? On my nice stand? Oh yeah. So because, because I have the child and I've been mostly listening to Audible, um, the nightstand is in fact just covered in his toys. But, um, on Audible, I have been listening very slowly to Again Rachel by Marianne Keys. Oh my God, so good. I know. And she, like, I'm savouring that one because, because it's like a follow on mm. and I'm like, I really want to enjoy this and I have read so many good things. So I've only, I'm only like about a third through, but you know, Marianne is just so, like, I actually found her through YouTube. She has a YouTube channel and she's no so funny no and that. she's so she's very funny. She yeah. started TikToking on now as well, but she's really funny and she's really honest and she works so hard on her books and stuff. My mom always had a Marion Keys book on her nice hand growing up, like always. And I was like, oh, these are just really popular books. But yeah. then obviously I started reading Rachel Salden. My mom was like, oh my God, I read that 25 years ago when I was pregnant with oh your sister. And like, she's like, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Oh God. Yeah. And it is. It's so, she's just so funny, but she touches on so many like important things. Yeah. And I, it drives me mad when like, I think she's even touched on it herself though. Like that kind of um, assumption that that type of book is like, fluff or like women's mm. fiction and it's like she oh, like, deals oh, there's with there's a word for it there's a, a chiclet chiclet yeah. but it's like I feel like her books deal with some of the heaviest subjects yeah. I've read in yeah, any yeah, books yeah, totally. so um, it makes me very sad I don't know any men who've read you know Rachel's Holiday which makes me sad mm. you know yeah if you're a man listening to this give it a go is there anything you have closed the book on mm, 
Oh my god, so many things. <laughs> Alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw you posting about that before yeah. and talking about it. And it makes me it. really sad. It, it does make me really sad, but you know, I've found a lot of amazing alcohol-free drinks yeah. and I still love the, you know, the atmosphere of, of being around people who drink and going to the pub and I still love that kind of um, thing. It's just, it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. It brings out my worst sides. Yeah. And um, and I had to say goodbye to such a big chapter of my life with that though because, oh my God, so many of my decisions were swayed by alcohol. Even my husband and I, like our first kiss, you know, I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't been drinking, which mm. makes me, you know, it makes mm-hmm. me kind of sad then. Like, I'm like, oh, what am I going to be, what future experiences will I not have because of that? You know, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. then I do think it's important to recognise if something is bringing you more problems than not, um, you know, you have to like, you know, have a look at your relationship with it again. Totally, yeah. Um, it's a lot of self awareness to to be able to yeah. know that and do that though. Yeah, I you kind of I I kind of reached like a a rock bottom with that though. Like I don't think I ever would have quit otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but but I, there's so many things like even just like my my twenties and just like the kind of uh, just that kind of oh I'm just gonna go off wherever now mm. you know I'm gonna just book a flight go off with my friends and like that kind of part of my life feels like it's gone but I do think I'll get to experience that when my kids are a bit older Yeah, because my husband is a pilot we both want to travel we both want to see the whole world Mm -hmm. so we're kind of accepting it as like this season is just a lot of being tired and making sure our kids grow into amazing people so it's just a lot of sacrifice a different kind of excitement a different kind of excitement yeah Yeah, like excited to uh, get a takeaway and go to bed (laughs) (laughs) and what is your next chapter? Um, definitely this next baby, like being a parent of two, I hear is a whole different universe mm-hmm. than having one. Um, so well, how old is your son? Now? He, he's 21 months now. Okay, so you're so going to have your hands full. Yeah, it's going to be mad. But I, I, I know, at least I know what I'm going to, like what I'm doing next mm-hmm. time. But then, you know, some friends are like, no, my second baby and my first baby, completely different. Nothing yeah. that worked on my first yeah. baby worked on my second baby. So that's going to be very interesting. And, um... And I think, uh, yeah, like that's why with writing as well, I think I'm going to kind of spend a lot of time on my work in progress and not try and rush it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want it to just be kind of thrown together. Yeah. I really don't want that because I'm very proud of glass houses. So um, and juggling it with kids is very hard. So, yeah, it's just it's just one of those times. Just and, we and all have these times, you know, do, doing a degree. Yeah. Everyone has these kinds of there's a lot of you just have to focus your attention completely on one thing totally and have you another like book in the pipeline do you know what you're going to try and do next yeah so I am writing another book but I'm I'm kind of still in the extremely early phases where like as I said to you with the Stephen King book where he said like writing with the door closed so it's like I've told my editor the idea um and it's already kind of changed actually since we talked about it but um I'm still in like the very very early phases of it and this is my favourite part because mm. it's just mine. Mm-hmm. Once you write a book and publish it, it's not yours anymore. People can take from it w- things you didn't intend. They can hate it. They can say this, that and the other about it. So like, w- while it's like just in its early stages, it's just mine. No one knows about it. It's so exciting. And like, mm-hmm. it gives you that little flutter. Mm-hmm. And um, this that's like why I write. It's, you know, it's so, it's so fulfilling. Oh, well, I'm so excited for the next book. I'm loving this. Thank I'm you. Halfway through, I'm going to literally just devour it this weekend. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today. It was so lovely to chat to, it was to meet you. to meet you too. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have you on next time you have a new book. Yes, yes, that'd be great. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Open Book. As always, the books discussed and recommended can be found in the podcast description. You know I hate asking, but it's so important so that we can keep getting great guests on. If you could rate, share and follow us wherever you get your podcasts, it would mean so much. And don't forget, we're doing the book club as well. If you want to get involved, you can get all the information over on Louise's book club on Instagram. If you have any comments, suggestions, recommendations, please email us on openbook at goloudnow.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week.